we have Merve Hickok, who's going to be speaking about a very important subject of our time, a very critical subject. Uh, she's the founder of AIethicist.org, and she's also uh, done so much great work as far as truly impacting the policies that are being created, making sure that AI uh, does more good in the world than bad. And so with that uh, humble introduction, I'd love to let uh, our speaker introduce herself. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Sam. So excited to be here, especially on the first episode. Uh, couldn't be more honored and excited. Thank you. Uh, like you mentioned, my name is Mary Hickok. I'm the founder of AIethicist.org, um, and I wear multiple hats. Uh, one is with my organization, providing um, training and consulting to organizations who want to be uh, developing and implementing these AI systems responsibly and ethically. So what that means, how can we bring that in, how can we make that happen, operationalize AI ethics and responsible AI. The other piece is, is I'm the research director at Center for AI and Digital Policy. That's again where we tr uh, train uh, professionals and uh, doctoral students around the world, 40 countries right now, on AI policy and regulations around the world. Uh, and we also provide uh, advice and consulting to national governments and international organizations in the AI policy and regulatory space. And like you, I am also on the data science uh, space as well and teaching data science ethics at University of Michigan uh, master's program. That's awesome. Well, this is an episode that's going to set the tone. And again, with this show and with this series, we're going to explore the fringes, the, the, the frontiers of data science and AI, and no better place to start than here. And that's the ethics behind the systems and tools that we implement. And so one thing we'll be doing, a part of this program and how we walk through uh, this type of content is we're gonna start with the human. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, the background of our speaker today and just ask them a couple questions and then move into more of the subject at hand. And so this is, the ferryman episode as we embark on our journey into the unknown. So tell us a little about yourself. Where's you from? Tell me a little bit about how you got your start in this space. It's a long story. <laughs> uh, I'm Turkish American, uh, Turkish by birth, uh, American by marriage, uh, and uh, my lo loving husband. Uh, started my professional life in Turkey, uh, and I was the country HR manager for Merrill Lynch in Turkey, and then transferred over to London, uh, United Kingdom, to take over a regional role for Europe, Middle East, uh, and Africa. In terms of diversity recruitment in our graduate slash college space, uh, and take also taking over some uh, recruitment technology. That role eventually evolved into a recruitment benchmarking and more recruitment technology uh, and DNI role. Um, and then I moved to uh, the, some a couple of other roles, but that's really where it where my interest in technology inclusion, inclusion uh, ethics and overall impact of emerging technologies uh, on, on individuals and society started um, and where I started my shift away from being in the corporate world to stepping outside and you know, looking at the grander picture and uh, see where I could make a bigger impact. 
Wow, that's such an amazing story. And as I think about the journey that you that you just described, the move from you know the corporate or the more biz, business for profit world to something more altruistic, that's a very big journey that people uh, you know sort or want to pursue. Can you tell me a little bit more about how did you make that decision that you know what I'm going to help the world? Uh, I think. I was at that point being in the corporate world for a while, uh, you know, financially privileged, I'll admit that. So it made that uh, decision easier, but what um, made the difference or what, you know, made me commit to this work is really those conversations when I was looking at the diversity recruitment and culture recruitment space, that role was brand new for the bank and I um, set out to build all these partnerships with nonprofits, advocacy groups, uh, student groups and different universities around the region where they were, you know, looking to mentor uh, female students, students from uh, ethnic minority groups, students with uh, different abilities um, or, or sexual preferences, uh, you know, you, you, you name it. And I spent a lot of time listening and I still do. Uh, I, I think those uh, lived experiences, both my own as well as the people that I listen to and have been listening for more than a decade now, have been the crucial thing. So as I was building these partnerships, I'm also turning around and you know helping to shape our uh, programs, our strategy, and, and our technology around that. So some of the feedback that I got was, if you're not thinking this through in terms of the impact, if you're not listening to the impacted parties, we might be putting extra obstacles uh, where we're trying to do the exact opposite. We're trying to reach to more students, more graduates, a diverse group of graduates, make it easier for them uh, to get into this industry, uh, you know, make it less intimidating. Uh, how can we expand? Whereas some of the decisions that we were making around technology and processes we were actually putting more onus uh, on them. So that kind of uh, gave me a light bulb. Uh, and then we, we were in a lucky position to be agile in our processes and our approaches to correct that. And then the follow on job where I was doing benchmarking across the industry, uh, I was seeing the similar things in our competitors or in our you know, different organizations of our size. And uh, one thing led to another. I got myself into a rabbit hole with AI and uh, you know, AI ethics and implications, which is a, was a relatively nice uh, field back then. And mm -hmm. I was like, OK, it's not recruitment only. There are a lot of other fields around this. So what's happening? So I, decided to commit uh, to this path and have been since then and I'm learning every single day myself. Wow that is such a cool experience and I love the, the the humbleness the listening aspect right and as we think about moments right life is a series of moments and it's a series of decisions that take you on these trajectories some of them you know where it's going to go others you didn't know so let me get it from your vantage point did you always like at a certain point, no, this is where you were going with it. Once that, you know, experience, tell us a little bit more, like, how did you follow the signs and that, that, that inner curiosity to get where you are today? 
I'm a crazy uh, curious person, Sam. You know, anyone who knows me, I can sit drinking my beers by the beach and I'll start, you know, wondering about the waves and, and the whales and the dolphins and the, the sand on the, at the beach. Uh, extremely curious and I'll, I'll start researching and it's not only like looking around, I'll start researching about it. I absolutely didn't have any idea how this, you know, my rabbit hole would eventually expand and would uh, lead me to get out of the corporate world and, you know, like I said, commit to this. Initially, when I found an AI ethicist.org, that was my like, intro to this space. What I wanted to do was, I was looking at all these researcher, research papers and reports, etc., and it was which I, just having to jump from one thing to another to another, and I couldn't get my uh, mind around some of these concepts. And I was thinking, if I'm experiencing this, there are probably other people who are experiencing the same thing and might be confused, intimidated by the you know technical terms, uh, and might not feel uh, confident enough to even come into the field, let alone question these technologies. So if you look at the site, uh, the whole idea around the site is to make some of these uh, work more accessible and I intentionally look at work that uh, is easier to understand, that is more focused on uh, social justice, bias, societal implications, implications on fundamental rights and democracy, etc. Um, to encourage more people to come into this field to advocate for more people to come into the field and question and listen and build that interdisciplinary and diverse perspectives. So this does these conversations that we're having, the conversations that are happening in, in organizations and companies are not only uh, done between experts, that it is a more inclusive space uh, where we can imagine and build a better world. So that was the whole idea between the, you know, for building the site. Eventually, it very organically um, grew into, you know, uh, me being asked about training. So I built more training around that, you know, providing consultancy. Uh, but my focus is still on, you know, awareness raising and advocacy and the, the training and consultancy part. Um, is a natural byproduct of that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, we could be here all day. I really find your story interesting. And I, I want to do your work justice. So I promise we'll spend most of our time talking about the phenomenal things you've worked on. And so just to just to put a pin in this though, I think it's so important, like you mentioned, around representation. People have to be able to, and it's nothing about nothing wrong with being the first, you know, Jackie Robinson, Sidney Portier, being African American, being the first is a part of our lineage and that storyline. But it's important to understand that having someone that represents you there is key. And I think you represent all of us curious folk, right, who are just interested and intrigued. And so if you're watching this, no matter where you are on your journey, know that the unknown is where you want to be and exploring those areas in front of you, you won't be able to tell it's coming. So that's the beautiful <laughs> part. So with that point covered, I'd love for us to take a quick break. We're going to show a little bit of uh, what's coming next with the AI uh, for diversity podcast and we'll touch back in in about two seconds see you in a minute
are speaking with a phenomenal speaker to really take us on this journey together. This podcast is intended for people at every level of discipline and familiarity with data science and AI to get on board and participate in the conversation. Uh, we'll have links to all the things we discussed today uh, in the bio if you're listening on the audio. Uh, again, definitely check our website and check our speaker's website, uh, AIethicist.org, to learn a little bit more about the subject at hand. So, uh, Mervyn, what we're going to talk about is really exciting to me personally. I think this is one of the biggest challenges of our time. But before I jump into the first subject, which is around uh, the AI and democratic values project that you worked on, love maybe to give a quick intro to what that work was and the nature of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's extremely exciting for me. Uh, so a couple of years ago, we founded uh, me and um, this someone that I really respect, a group of people I really respect, by, led by Mark Rotenberg, uh, who is the executive founder and president of Center for AI and Digital Policy. So I was in a very lucky and honored position to join him in finding the center. And what we laid out was, uh, how can we um, influence policy and, 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 and regulatory space and the conversations about the AI and digital and emerging technologies in a way to respect fundamental rights, democratic values, and rule of law. Uh, so it is a very you know, rights and uh, rule of law uh, focused approach. That's our mission. And since then, we've been involved in uh, a number of conversations around the world at national and international level uh, with you know Europe's uh, European Commission, uh, Council of Europe, OECD, uh, Global Partnership on AI, uh, some of the uh, state and, and and federal level or national in other countries uh, at country level in some of the discussions about national AI strategies and policies. Uh, one of our biggest um, or main better, uh, contributions to the field is this uh, index report that we have published the second edition of uh, a couple of months ago, uh, AI and Democratic Values Index. And in the first edition, we had looked at 30 countries around the world, uh, looked at their national AI strategies, their commitments to human rights, uh, OECD AI policies, and then turned the coin and looked at the implementation on the ground because very similar to what the corporations do there's a tendency to commit to these principles we're going to do this we're going to you know ai is going to be wonderful because we are committing to these principles and values but when it comes to implementation and practice are you walking the talk do you want to see that how uh, at a national uh, level, how these uh, countries were doing that. So we set out 12 metrics and looked at those 30 countries, uh, ranked them, providing analysis, research analysis and examples uh, and, and a ranking at the end. This year, we expanded that to uh, 50 countries. So this index, this report is the first of its kind in terms of looking at you know, comparative reports. Uh, in terms of looking at it from a fundamental rights and you know, democratic values uh, perspective. You see a lot of that in terms of uh, you know, research, investments, you know, government readiness, etc. There are a lot of other work out there, but we are very committed to 
democratic values and fundamental rights. We're still expanding that. Uh, another byproduct of that work or of, of the center was, okay, how can we expand the knowledge? How can we advocate for this change in all these countries at an international level? But how can we also expand the knowledge in different countries? So uh, we, in fact, on this, this Friday, we are graduating our third semester, third class, third cohort. Um, so we have close to 80 students from 40 different countries on this cohort. And what it is is um, trying to educate on the fundamentals of AI policy, how to research, analyze, and advocate on, on policy in general, provide the fundamentals of knowledge of what's happening in regulations, etc. So at one hand, we are doing all this research with the centers uh, to change policy. On the other hand, again, we are uh, very much focused on training and advocacy as well. Wow, this is a very, very interesting subject. I'm going to bring it down to earth for our viewers. Uh, we are in the middle of the new and have been a part of the new oil age. And I mean that in, a, in an interesting way. The power behind data the ability to leverage it. It is the new commodity that has manifested the millions of you know, interactions, businesses, communications, all the things that are essentially today part of our known lives with the internet, social media, and the experiences that we do day to day. It's been a part of this revolution. And so whether it's programs and initiatives to protect people's rights around their data, or it's uh, best practices on how people can be better stewards of their own data uh, retention and retainment. Would we'll, love to walk through a little bit around the actual questions themselves. And then maybe talk a little bit about the actual countries that did well or didn't do so well. And so start, starting at the top here, you, those 12 questions that you used that to create this index, can you give a little perspective on what some of those questions were? Yeah, absolutely. So we are starting with uh, OECD AI principles. So these were published uh, on 2019, and we now have more than 40 countries that have adhered to the OECD AI principles, you know, committed to this. So it's one of the bigger, uh, uh, earliest and biggest, uh, not biggest at this point, because UNESCO just passed the recommendations. But in terms of principles, you know, 2019, um, that's how it started. And it really is looking at, um, we wanted to change that into comparative metrics, you know, being able to measure uh, progress, progress against those principles. So OECD AI principles, endorsement, and implementation against those is one, is the two metrics. Uh, human endorsement of Universal Declaration of Human Rights and uh, implementation of that are the two next metrics. And then we have a number of metrics where we're looking at public participation. You know, was the public uh, able to participate in the national AI strategy formulation of that? Uh, can the public uh, look and find the relevant information on national AI strategies, national AI policies, regulations, the, you know, the data, et cetera, how they're uh, uh, being impacted, what is uh, in the roadmap for them? Uh, another thing was 
uh, oversight on algorithmic transparency, you know, does the country have an independent uh, algorithmic transparency agency that is independent from the current government uh, that can make independent decisions to protect uh, fundamental rights and rule of law against some of these data and AI practices. Uh, this year, uh, in November, UNESCO um, uh, agreed on ethical AI principles, the guidelines or recommendations for ethical AI. Um, so 193 countries have signed under those recommendations. Huh. So it's, now it is the biggest framework. It is a voluntary framework, but it does require reporting from the countries, so really hopeful of what that might bring. Uh, so we added that as a metric, uh, and then, uh, like I said, you have um, you have a couple of other metrics around, uh, you know, within your uh, national AI strategy. Do you actually, you know, talk about accountability, transparency, um, uh, and privacy, etc.? So the the core of what we're trying to do is understand the commitment and the implementation of each of these countries and hold them accountable where they are doing something against their commitments. Uh, yeah, that's the, fun, that's the fun part, the accountability. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As we think about this list, and I think this is a very intriguing part, who was at the top? Who was at the bottom? Who were the surprises? I'd love to give you a chance to share a little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely, uh, you know, I know you, you're sharing the resources and the links to the to our website and to the reports. Uh, but I definitely encourage everyone to look at the, um, uh, the, the the report itself. It's pretty extensive, but at least at, at the very least, executive summary on some of the countries that you're interested. Uh, but in terms of the policies and practices, uh, we had some uh, great examples in Canada and mm -hmm. Germany, Italy, and Korea. Those were the ones that ranked at the top. Uh, and US made some progress, but it definitely is not at the top. Uh, you know, we have some- We were not at the top? What's going on? <laughs> well, remember we're looking at, uh, you know, some of the, regulations, commitments, and mm -hmm. in the practices on the ground, right? So in US, we still don't have any federal level, you know, privacy regulation. Um, we don't have some of the, the data rights uh, or transparency that some of the EU countries or Canada have established. Uh, we don't have the best means of, uh, you know, one thing that U.S. improved from last year was public participation. So uh, uh, we increased uh, the points, the scoring on public participation, because we have seen some really good examples of like what OSDP, FTC, uh, EEOC, et cetera, have been doing uh, for, for the last year or so. So there were definitely some good elements, but there is a lot, uh, a lot of work to do uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, China uh, have introduced a regulation, privacy regulation, and some regulations around 
no, algorithmic transparency and redress mechanisms, et cetera, that the uh, U.S. doesn't necessarily have. So we want to be really objective. Uh, like I said, we have our contributors range uh, to more than, you know, when we're looking at this report, we have uh, more than 40 uh, countries, contributors from more than uh, 40 countries looking at this 50 countries analyzed. And it's a very, very extensive uh, process. So we're uh, keeping ourselves honest. There is no, you know, trying to keep away from our uh, national or personal you know, subjective uh, biases as much as possible, and which makes it a really interesting work itself.